Welcome back to the Keegan and Company podcast. For those who are new to the show, my name is Keegan Hipgrave. Uh, if you haven't already, if I could get you to jump over, give us a little like and subscribe. It's a great way for us to grow the platform and have some incredible guests like I have on today. Uh, in this episode, I'm joined by professional soccer and AFLW player, Sarah Rowe. Rowie, how are you? Keegs, good to be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How um how you feeling? We're in the thick of the silly season right now. What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, the silly season, I actually have been questioning myself at the moment, like, what am I doing when I'm in the gym and I'm running when I have six months of an off season? Am I training to go out at the weekend or <laughs> what am I training for at the moment? So, yeah. yeah, it's been in full swing. We've had a lot of social events at the club yeah. and, yeah, a lot of things to get through coming into Christmas. But, um, yeah, it's been good. But it's, it's always a bit of a change when you get into off season, you're kind of trying to find your feet again and find, like, I suppose, your purpose again. Uh, Chrissy party last night. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were coming in. You were coming in a bit hung. Mm, I had a work night out, yeah, <laughs> at Eclair where I'm working with um, Nick Maxwell's leadership. Um, his leadership is great at the bar as well. Mm. So <laughs> <That's great. laughs> he knows how example. to buy a drink. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I am... Um, Bit shady, but I was up for a run club this morning because I always say, do the crime, do the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, I, I really want to dive into, because obviously professional um, in professional player in soccer and in the AFLW, and I do want to do a deep dive into that a bit later on. Um, but training now, like what does training look like in the off season? Like obviously you probably got a bit more time on your hands now, right? Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like we all have a lot more time and none of us kind of know what to do with the time. So like you're trying to pick up things I think this is the nature of the AFLW world as well is that, you know, six months on, six months off. It's mm. like, how do you fill that time and feel like you're being productive and progressing in your life as well outside sports? So for me, it's very important that I'm working on things like career wise that are, you know, for life after sport. So I really delve into that in the off season. And also in terms of my training, I continue to train. I like take off two or three days. But then after that, you're like, it's so hard to get it back that it's yeah. way easier to try and maintain it. And then like not let your habits slip too too bad mm. and then um, get back to basics. Then when you get into, I suppose, come January, we'll be into a more structured program. But at the moment, the girls and I are just like going for runs together, still doing our gym and trying to maintain what we have. Is it nice to train outside of the club though? Because you're in the club for so long, like so long throughout the season. Is it nice to get out and do like different training? So nice. Like, it's nice to be like, oh, do you want to go do a boxing class? Do you want to go do a different class? Like, and being able to do that on, like, different terms. Whereas in the club, you're always, like, so conscious of, you know, overexpending yourself mm. or also undertraining. You're always trying to find, like, the perfect balance between what you do Monday to Saturday that gets you to perform on a Sunday and what you need to do in that week. Whereas now it's like you can actually do a bit of extra training yeah. and you can afford to do that. You can afford to be tired at the weekend um, in terms of your training. So it's like finding those new little ways to get better as well. And then also right now isn't probably the time to like focus and dial in on things, but like you can work on really specific things in the off season. Like, I don't know, maybe you're tackling, maybe your speed, mm. things that during the season you're tipping away at, but you actually don't have the time to give it to to them. Um, we try and get away. We try and get away at all. Like, is switching off a big thing at the moment? Switching off is something I definitely struggle with. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. Because you feel like as an athlete, you're like it's it's an everyday thing. It's an every decision you make and um, results in you becoming better mm. uh, mentally and physically. So for me, I do find it hard to switch off. Um, I'm always kind of thinking, planning, reflecting, and also like you look back on your season and go like, what could I have done better? And like you get an awful lot of feedback at the end of season as well. So you kind of, you know, you do, you, you question a few things and then you try to take forward learnings and like set new goals. Mm. And that's the way I feel. But in terms of going away, I will definitely try to get away. I'm going home to Ireland for three weeks how of nice. Christmas. Yeah, how good. Spend time with family which is great I think that's a really important part for me is like you know being so far away from home I feel when I need to get home to connect with family and friends like I do feel sometimes I'm missing a part of myself with mm. being being so far away from home so I'll do that myself and one of the other girls are thinking about maybe doing a training camp at some point in America so trying to work through a few things like that but yeah always um yeah if I get weekends and space I'll, I'll always go away mm. I'd love to rewind and touch on probably growing up in Ireland and, and what and, yeah. and what it was like over there because I think we first connected probably at Amy Park earlier mm -hmm. this year in, yeah. in February and then ever since then 
you're always, I feel like you're always doing something, right? Like, you, you know, you're playing soccer and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, is this girl a professional soccer player, a professional AFL <laughs> player? Like, I couldn't figure Jack it out. <laughs> and, then, and then I look back at um, some previous footage and like Gaelic. Yeah. Like Gaelic looked like it looks obviously huge over there, right? Like what was it like growing up there and going into that? I'm, is that professional over there? Yeah, it's Ireland is a very different place. And I was speaking to someone about this, about like the cultural difference between Australia and Ireland. And it's like you go to China, say, for example, and you expect there to be a massive culture shock. You go to Australia and everything kind of appears the same, but there's few slight differences. And sport is one. Sport's done differently over here to mm. what it is in Ireland. And within every sport, there's a culture yeah. within a culture. And then so each sport has their own culture. So I find like with Gaelic, soccer and AFL, like while they're the same thing in terms of sport, they're also, they all bring different elements and there's certain things that are acceptable in one environment and aren't in the other. So I kind of find myself being like adapting to that as well is, um, has been a challenge. Mm. And coming over to Australia, it's like, I didn't know the sport, but I've come from a Gaelic background, uh, Gaelic football background, but that is um, full-time amateur. So the idea with Gaelic football is you play for the team you've grown up with your whole life. So you, there won't be any like cross-code jumping around? No, so you can cross-code, but you can't uh, switch to another team. If you do, like you'd be very much frowned upon. Like the option is there, but no one does it. Okay. So I've played for County Mayo my whole life and it's like, you know, it's pride of place. It's about your community. It's about your family. And we all do it because we love it. So you know that everyone's reasons to be there is because we all do it and we've pride of place. And that's what we're doing it for each other. And we've grown up playing together our whole lives. Mm. So it's it's deep within and it's ingrained in everyone's family. So I think coming out here then into the professional world, you're like, this is a bit different. Like as in, and soccer as well is also different. You know, the loyalty aspect isn't as strong. It's mm. kind of like you can move around to different clubs, like what what you know, clubs can get rid of you, all that stuff. Um, but Gaelic football is, is like it's an amazing community because it's they grow. It's all about hard work as well. Like even small injuries or like they're like get on with it, get over it, really? like keep going. Like it's like it's, it's described as a really resilient sport. Yeah. Um, and it's funny when you come out here, like you. Like there's another girl, Ash Sheridan, on our team who's Irish as well. We'd have little niggles in our hamstrings or something and we just wouldn't say a word. Okay. We would say to each other, like, oh, my hamstring's a bit sore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'd be like, just yeah, say nothing because we know that we'll be pulled from training because in Gaelic football, it would be like that would be considered sometimes soft. But do, and the, the difference between, I mean, AFLW and Gaelic, like, do you guys have physios? Do you guys have dietitians? See, like, what's the difference? We don't have the same level of resources. So, but... Like, and that's what Collingwood would say to me, like, that's unprofessional of you not to yeah. flag that. So then I had to learn that quickly and kind of try to understand my body more. But in an amateur environment, you don't have the same systems in place to kind of know that about your body and to understand all that stuff. So we kind of just grind it out at home is the way I would describe it. But um, yeah, we don't, we have a physio, we have sometimes a doctor um, and you'd have two or three coaches. Um but it's becoming more and more professional, but it's no one gets paid. But mm. it is um, like the way the girls at home in Ireland apply themselves and their mindset to winning and their application to training is just as good as any professional yeah. environment I've seen. So it's like the mindset is there. The resources aren't fully there yet. Just because um, they love it? Just because they love it. It's yeah. just like it's this thing and they, we, I don't know, I think in Gaelic football we kind of thrive off the fact that you don't get paid and this is what we do but um, yeah, they're like at the All-Ireland final that we played in I think 2017 it was, there's 45,000 people there. I watched that clip. Yeah. I watched the clip and I was like, oh my God, I was like, I didn't know how big this sport was. Mm, it's huge and then it's like equally to that coming over to Australia, I didn't know that AFL existed so yeah. I come over here and I'm like, what? There's a world outside my world of Gaelic yeah. football. It's funny when you step outside of your world and you go across to another country, you're like, there's so much more out there if you decide to see it. So that's why you encourage, I suppose, people to travel and kind of see a bit more than just, you know, your home space. You came over five years ago. Why? What was the appeal? Why did you want to come over to Australia? Well, I initially got the email um, to say that after our Ireland final to say, I think you'd be seated to the game from... So it was after that final in 2017? Yeah, it was yeah. after the final. And it was like, I think you'd be seated to the game. And I was like reading the email being like, this is a scam, I reckon. And I remember talking it through with my dad and 
they they were like, do you want to come over and have a look at um, the clubs that are over here? So I looked at the six clubs in Victoria at the time um, and went around each environment. I was like, I was like one of those people that like say yes, figure out how after yeah. and came over and I was like, oh my God. Like my the first club I walked into was Collingwood and yeah. I was like, what? I was like, the facilities, the people, like what? There's a business, there's a media department, there's a commercial team, physios, like doctors. I'm like, what? Like all of this exists and players have access to all this, like blown away. Mm. And now, so that's why I'm like, I think in the, the AFL do it so well and it's an incredible resource like each club has so much to offer and if you tap into all the resources that are there it's up to an individual and a player to buy into that and not all players do but for Irish players coming over we're like we're so used to getting so little that we come over here and we're like wow it's so easy to get caught up in that like it's just it's always been there like I'm, I'm talking about players who have yeah. come from Australia like oh it's always been there you've been in there for five years and just get comfortable Whereas I look at someone like yourself who come in and haven't seen a professional environment like a Collywood or even any professional sporting club in Australia, and it, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm going to make the most of this opportunity, yeah. Yeah, literally, we're just like we want to do whatever we can to get better, and like just constantly want to learn, and like every year, you're like, you're so lucky to be surrounded by such great people, and then you look at the men's this year and what they've achieved, and. You sit back and probably the sport didn't mean as much to me, obviously, like year one, two, because I'm like still getting to know it. Like I don't love it. It's not ingrained in me. And but every year it gets, you know, there's there's more love for it. And like I can really appreciate the significance of what the sport means to everyone in Australia and being at the grand final and seeing that, feeling the emotion, seeing everyone in the club, seeing all the people who were associated with the boys' success. Because like it isn't just about the players. It's Mm. like the staff combined and what they do for the players as well is ultimately what makes the players perform on the day. So to see all that, I was like, this is a sporting spectacle. Like it's amazing. After seeing the boys win the grand final, does that just give you like that little bit more drive to want to win your own grand final with the girls? Yeah, definitely. Like I think we would probably acknowledge this year that we felt like we underachieved um, our group. Um, But I think watching the boys and like, you know, having the boys program be a role model to what I suppose we want to get to someday. Mm. It's like, um, it's great that we have that in front of our eyes and we can see what great looks like because sometimes like, you know, your version of great, my version of great could be different, but to see the boys do it, live it, breathe it, it's, it makes, you know, it makes for a really great club and like hopefully that we continue to follow in their footsteps. And you, but you've got like the best group of girls, hey, like I remember I came and presented to you girls, when was it like? Maybe a couple of months ago, yeah. <laughs> and it was just so rogue in there. Like I rolled into the into the media room, and like everyone screaming. Like, and I thought we might have had like ten or fifteen girls, and the whole like thirty girl or forty girl squad is in there. And like I think one of the other um, Irish girls came in, and everyone was screaming. And then everyone's giving you, and you got like a mad crew, like Sabrina and Rubes, and like <laughs> and so many great girls. I was like, if I was gonna be a part. Of, and like I've done a lot of presentations yeah. to a lot of like female sporting clubs and even like even the top tier male sporting clubs. But the vibe that you girls had in there, especially that afternoon, was wild. Like that's got to be so special, yeah? That's that's so great to hear because I think sometimes you look at other clubs and you just assume that every club has as much of a laugh as we do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to t- tone it down on the laughs and maybe dial up on the training. <laughs> Maybe our balance is a small bit off at the moment. (laughs) The results would suggest that. (laughs) You guys are having too much fun. But um, no, it is. It's something that's so, like, it's so great. Like, you're essentially playing football with your best mates, Mm -hmm. but we've built that over time. It's taken a long time. And, you know, you add and subtract people to the program every year. And we've had a couple of new girls come in this year and it's, like, really given us a a new lease of life. And, um, yeah, we're we're trying to build a culture that's kind of welcoming to anyone like and it's all sorts yeah we're a very different diverse group and we embrace that we love that but that's so cool and like I from the outside looking in like I can only talk about NRL clubs because that's my background I'm very fresh to the AFL scene but in general any club that has that good camaraderie and have like a really great relationships with the boys and girls they're probably more likely to go on and have success like talking to Brazzy talking to Leggy in Collywood like they talk about how close the boys are this year. And so after looking at you girls, I manage just a matter of time before it all comes together. Yeah, I know that's it. And like you can see the club as well, just like from the ground up and like 
the board and all that, like they're getting all those things right. And like you can see a lot of changes happening in the club, which is um, exciting to see because you know that like it's moving in the right direction. But yeah, being close with people and kind of knowing that, you know, it's it's just as much about the player beside you and the organisation as a whole. When you're playing and working for all those people, it just means so much more. And I think you can get the best out of yourself in that case. Why did you pick Collywood? <clears throat> Excuse me. You said you spoke to a couple other teams. Why was Collywood the the chosen one? Nick Maxwell, actually, who I obviously work with now, and Jess Berger, who's head of women's sport, and um, they presented to me on the first day I walked in mm-hmm. and Eddie Maguire was also the president at the time and they just yeah like I was a young naive girl <laughs> and if I was to sit in the meeting and I was to sit in the same meeting now I'd probably call them out on a few things <laughs> <laughs> but Maxie and I joke about did he interview me or did I interview him <laughs> you came in with a lot of questions yeah I was like yeah <laughs> like I remember just being like so like well, you know, what does success look like? Like, how how is the club going to have success? Like, I just had loads of questions. I was just so curious. I think I was always like a young, really curious, open-minded kid. Um, but they blew me away as people, I think. And it's like every sporting organization is about people. Like, if you have the right people in the right positions, the club will go in the right direction mm-hmm. over time and just getting those systems right as well. Um, so kind of every club had a different, like a slightly different feel to it. Like Carlton were impressive. I remember Geelong being a really nice club. I kind of was like, no, I don't want to be out of the city. I'd rather be in Melbourne. So like there was reasons for um, my decision making. I remember going to Melbourne and the coach was, he was brilliant, like with his skills and like different clubs did different things well, but it was so good to see um, every part. But yeah, Collingwood just blew me away. Probably a bit flashy in their ways. Yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> no, on brand. Known to be very on brand, yeah. <laughs> but like even, why didn't you go have a look at like Gold Coast or any of the Sydney clubs? Like, don't get me wrong, love Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne's turned, the weather's turned on for us today. A bit pipe bowler and weather, like it's a bit yeah. different. Like why didn't you go check out like some of the coastal? Well, coastal so Gold Coast didn't exist at the time, either right. Sydney Swans, okay. GWS did. Um, I didn't hear anything from them. So it was all the clubs based in Melbourne. I actually didn't have the opportunity to go see any of the other clubs. Right. But um, yeah, I would have been interested because it would have, I wouldn't have understood what I understand now though. And that's that Melbourne is a sporting hub, like, and there's so much around it. It's like, even when I sometimes am on the training track and I look at the city, I'm like, there's the city, there's the MCG, there's basketball, there's the rugby. Like it's all in one place. Yeah. And that now, I, you know, that's the feeling that you get. You're like, you know, for sport, it's all here. So, but Sydney, then you go up to Sydney and you go, oh, it's kind of a nice switch off. You can play sport and then you can have the beach life. You can, you do it differently, I suppose. And that's also really refreshing. And you're not as invested, absorbed in like, your life outside isn't as much about sport, whereas my outside life is still about sport here. Yeah. Yeah. We have this conversation all the time offline. Yeah. Like how being in the thick of it in Melbourne or being in Sydney, like, that's where it's all happening in mm. terms of, of of sport, yes, of course, but even like outside of sport and like all the opportunities that you'll have now from being in sport, like taking that off field. But it's interesting what you said before about how your off field stuff, it's still sport. Like all the girls, like imagine the girls you hang out with, are they still in sport? Is that is that hard to sort of switch off or like get away from footy? Yeah. So like when I work in Eclair with Maxi, and um, that's, essentially away from sport but it's like it's a corporate um, co-working space Mm. but it also is networking and it's we do a lot of talks every Thursday night on like could be on criminal psychology it could be on but a lot of it is about leadership and a lot of it is about sport Mm. and then in that then we've Paul and Tuddy who is the director of the board in Collingwood and he's a big part of that company as well and so every day I go in there, we talk football. You yeah. know what I mean? So it is like that. It's like everything reverts back to sport all the time. But like it's, we're generally kind of trying to relate business and sport and how they can combine and how they can coexist. Um, but even I was talking to you about how I'm going to work a bit with Performance by Design, who's Paul Ruse's company, who go around and um, speak a lot about leadership and do all the personality profiling and all that stuff. Um, so that again is still to do with sport but next Wednesday I go to a hospital with them and you know speak to doctors physios and then we talk about team like how do they work together 
And how do the security staff in a hospital work with the doctors and with the uh, physios? So it's like combining those worlds, but relating sport to that is they like they're very much come work in tandem. And like in sport, you're so used to getting feedback all the time. Mm. So it's like in those worlds, do you get as much feedback? Do you seek as much feedback? Are you constantly trying to get better? But in sport, you just get it all the time and you have to be able to take and receive feedback. What's the appeal jumping in with them? Because beforehand, when we were talking offline, I thought that it was more directed towards other sporting teams and going into other sporting teams, like you were talking about them going to the Sun and the Gold Coast, like, but they're taking that into further, further yeah. into like everyday everyday occupations yeah, yeah so they take it into everyday occupations like they go into like places like Deloitte yeah. and they um, try to figure out how teams can best communicate and work together and like they call things as they see it and they have to be on the ground obviously to see what they see and yeah. feel um, <clears throat> but by doing like the personality profiling and stuff like that you can figure out like you get to know like where your strengths and weaknesses lie because like sometimes you do that sort of them test uh, the personality profiling tests and you read your scores and you're like I'm not that I'm not that and then you ask someone else am I that have They're, you done it yeah loads of times what's what's your what's your strength so like in terms of personality profiling the one that I'm talking about now is like the red the yellow the green and the blue have you heard of that no nah, run me through it so like the red would be like very like how do we win what are we going to do? Let's do it now. And then like, I think it's the blue is the one that's, um, is it the blue that's kind of like time orientated and detail orientated? And I think the green is the like empathetic, like, but what about all the other players? Like, how do, have they got a lift to train in? And then you have the yellow who is like, oh, we're all going to, um, they're really detailed, creative focus. So they'd be like, we did an exercise once at Collingwood where we all, prof we all got profiled and then we put ourselves, We so all the reds were in one person, in one group, yellows, greens, blues. And I'm looking around me going like, I'm not like those reds. Like that's, I, am I like these? Really? And the coach is like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, what? So you're I'm a red. Like, you're of, so I was a red yeah. in sports, which in my head I would be like, I thought I would hit that part of me pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to suppress it. <laughs> like, like, How do we win? What do you tell me what I need to do? I'll do it now. Like, just tell me. Yeah. Um, but then the yellow would be, so they made us all plan a party within our um, group. So the red team was like, you do that, you do that, you do that. Okay, done. Um, and then you have the yellow one who's like the creative mind. He's like, okay, we're going to have a party and we are going to have spritz at the door and then like, don't forget the straws. <laughs> and by the way, the confetti needs to be there as well. And they're like thinking all this stuff. And then you have the um, the blue or the green, whichever way it goes. It's like, oh, we have um, at 5.05, .05, we're going to have a sip of our first drink. Yeah. And then if, and they have it all like detail. And then you have the other group who are like, where is everyone going to sleep though? So when you looked at it, it was like a really unbalanced approach to a party because so many, each group missed so much. Mm. But then you put one of each in each group and then you had the four colors in one group and you go, now plan a party. So then you could take into account, we had the creative side, we had the time side, we had the caring side and we had the, right, let's just get it done side. And then, there you go. So here we are in a team environment. We all need each other so much to achieve. So that's why just because she does something that way doesn't mean it's the wrong way. You just need to open your mind to it. So it was such a good exercise. That's such a great exercise. Brilliant. So that's basically like what performance by design do. So they make you like your level of awareness goes up as to, you know, what strengths you bring to the table. Like, and I think what we speak about quite a bit is that you can change a certain amount of that, but like you fundamentally are who you are. Mm. So like you might change by 10%, but you're not going to like change massively. Do you think about like doubling down on your strengths? Because you know how people say like in professional sport, we're always working on our weaknesses. Like when I was playing, 100% I'm working on my weaknesses more than my strengths until someone said, yeah, you work on your weaknesses, but also double down on your strengths because that's where you're having most of the effect on the team or positive effect on the team. Yeah, it's it's a funny one because I'm always questioning myself on that as well. I'm like, do I keep going? And like when it comes to a game, like I'll have two or three focuses and I'll try and make them very strength based related because I know I've real confidence in that. Mm -hmm. But then away from that, I'm like, OK, continue to work on that. And I'd have one or two weaknesses where I go, OK, wherever my fear lies within the game where I go, I like, you know, there's a block or I go, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm like, that's where the magic happens. I'm mm -hmm. like, that's what I need to 
I need to embrace the humility and the vulnerability of this and go, I'm going to seek help here from the coaches. Because sometimes the coaches give you feedback and it's on that one thing that you kind of have this block against. But like, and it takes, I suppose, being a good communicator and going like, some, I remember saying to a coach this year, like he's told me I was something about my ground balls or the way I, I had a tendency to just keep turning on one side versus the other. And I was like, that's okay. Tell me, I, you're telling me I do that. I know I do that, but how do you fix it? And mm. can you give me solutions and can we work through it now? So let's do it and continue to do it and repeat the reps time and time again. And then I go, we've both won here. But like, so when you get feedback like that, you have to be able to push further for the feedback. And that's a hard conversation to that's have. That's the red coming out in you. It's the red. I'm like, I'm like, that's fine. You, you're giving me feedback. Are you giving me solutions with it? Yeah. So I, that's what I would say like to, the, to anyone in the club. I'm like, if you're coming to me with problems, you better be coming with solutions as well to the problems. Don't keep coming with problems because we all have problems. <laughs> I'm just imagining you like down the, the track sass. with like, like the sass. Like, I'm like, guys, talk's cheap. As in actions speak louder than words. I just imagine <laughs> you like as a mom, like telling the kids like coming out, okay, well, what's the solution here? Like you're, you're upset. What's the solution? <laughs> Literally, it's like my dad rings me for a phone call and I'm like, you know, sometimes he rings me and he's kind of there for a chat and I'm like, dad, like, you know, I just, just tell me what the phone call is about. Like, as in we're not here for a chat. I have things to be doing. <laughs> You're broke. You're so wild. That's so nuts. <laughs> He's like, right, okay, I need A, B, and C. And I said, perfect, I'll get it done. Talk to you in a bit. And then I like I it's only when both of us have time, but otherwise during the day it's like, nah, A, B, and C. Give it to me. <laughs> I can take it. <laughs> I love that. I've never had this conversation before. This is so good. Um Roy, I want to divert. Um, this is obviously a mental health and sport podcast, and I think um the reason why I want to have conversations with athletes like yourself is because you are influential in the space. Like you are someone who imagine a lot of young girls and young boys who are looking up to, whether that's in the soccer space, Gaelic space, um, AFL space. Um, when we were having these conversations about bringing you on, I look at you as someone who has come over from another country and I imagine that would be incredibly challenging. What, I guess the question that I want to ask is what, was probably the biggest challenge in in coming over from another country to to Australia. Was there was there a standout time or is there a standout moment that you're comfortable with talking about? There's there's been so many. Like yeah. there's been so many moments that you kind of go, what am I doing here? Like even I probably the first year as well. I I feel like I spent most of my time in my head, and um, because you walk into a club full of people who you should you feel massive support from, but you're like, they don't actually know me and they don't know what support I actually need and I'm not going to open up to people I don't really know. It's going to take me time to build those relationships. So that was probably a point where I was like, I feel really alone here and I really need to find my way here. Um, and then I remember in terms of the sport, like, again, Maxi, here he was throwing me a ground ball and I was like, this is the man I really respect and the ball is going everywhere and I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I'm yeah. so bad at this. And I'm like, I expect it because you come from a sport that you're okay at. Like, and then you come That'd over here good and then yeah. you go, I should be good at this and I should be quickly good at this as well. And like, with my red type personality, I would want to get there quickly. So it was kind of being persistent and consistent with everything I did but I was like I questioned myself massively being like they, they're bringing me over all the way from Ireland and like they're paying me a wage now and I'm like what are they paying someone like me for who doesn't have the ability to get there so like you have all those like moments of self-doubt and you're just like keeping uh, consistent persistent and over time like you know you look at people who make it in their careers in later down the track in their careers and it's generally the players who work the hardest and you're like the talent falls away so there's been many moments like that where I've kind of stood there being like, who who do I even call if something goes wrong now? Mm. Um, but yeah, I've had many situations where I've just been like, I don't I don't know what to do. I feel like that feeling of like not being good enough, like mm. not being good enough, it, that would be something that falls into so many successful players and successful athletes because they're always pushing to want to be better. And so I look at you obviously having so much success in Gaelic, AFL, but also doing that in soccer as well. Like you're someone who's more than happy to settle in and do the work because like, hey, I've been there as well. Like that's mm-hmm. that feeling of not being good enough because you're more likely to put in so much work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 
even going back to soccer last year, I hadn't played in eight years. But again, my in my mind, I'm like, I'm a soccer player and I've played it my whole life. This this shouldn't be too hard. But I wasn't going to play soccer. I was going to play straight into a professional environment of soccer, which I hadn't done before. So I'd played with Ireland, but I hadn't actually played in a professional soccer environment because that's not where the game was at at home at the time. So I was expecting to kind of go in and again, this will all happen. And... Um, and then the first day, it was like when the 10 cones were put in front of me, it was like dribble through those. And I was like, easy in my sleep, thinking about myself as a kid, like I'll do this, no problem. Yeah. I was knocking every cone. I was like, oh my God, like I've lost my coordination. Like I have to get all this back now and that's going to take time. I'm like, I've essentially now become an AFL player and now I have to revert back. So you had moments like that where you're like, I remember the coach saying to me at victory, he was like, I see what you're trying to do. I see where your mind's going, but you're not doing it. And I'm like, I know. I haven't played the game in eight years. Just let me, give me a few weeks. Yeah. I go, I'm telling you, I'll get there. I'll be keep being consistent here. But I just need you to believe that I will get there because I know what I'm trying to do and I'll get there. Um, and he was like, no, no, I've no, I've no doubt you will. But like, yeah, like you need work kind of thing. And I was like, Fair enough. Can, can we, Fair game. Can we just touch on that for a second though? Like you come over to play professional AFLW and then you're in the thick of it and you're like, you know what? I'm going to jump over and play professional soccer. Like, are you sweet? Like what, what goes through your psycho. mind? Yeah, what, Absolute red psycho. What, what goes through <laughs> your mind and what do you, how does that even come about? Like in order to jump across, because there would be so many people who would be like working their whole life to play professional soccer yeah. and you haven't played in eight years, you know, like, oh, maybe I'll just go back and give it a go. <laughs> like, like, how does that even come about? I was actually, it was actually from my, it kind of starts with, I suppose, your vulnerability piece. It's like, I was actually not happy in Collingwood last season. I was not enjoying it. I'd lost my love for the game and it was that feeling of being like, what am I doing this for? Because like, again, like I said, Gaelic football, I do it for my family, pride of place, my community. I'm over in Australia. I wasn't essentially enjoying the game. I felt like our structure, the way we were playing, wasn't probably complementing the way I would want to play, but I was trying to buy into the team structure. And I just felt myself being really frustrated with the game itself and being like, I'm not like, even like with Gaelic football, it's like, if you're not, not going to win the ball, you'll straight away go into defense. Whereas in AFL, it's like, you know, half in the contest is, is a still a win. Mm. Whereas I was trying to get my head around being like, it's either perfect or it's not. Um, in Gaelic football so in AFL I was like I have to change my mindset around this like that even spoiling a ball is still a win whereas I'd be like no I want to catch I want to mark that ball like mm. everything had to be like so perfect because in Gaelic football it's a perfectionist game and so is soccer so I didn't really enjoy AFL last year and I was like I need to go back to a sport that I love to mm. see if it's that I'm just maybe a bit burnt out at the moment or if it's, you know, my problem, whose problem is this? So I was like, going to give myself a new challenge and push myself in another direction and see how I feel. So it actually started with that. And um, so then I was like, do you know what? Very much so, again, like, if you don't ask the question, you'll never know the answer. So I was like, I'm just going to talk to a few coaches and just like also ask around what the soccer world is like mm. in Australia. And I always had an itch to go back because I kind of left it on terms. Like I didn't mean to give up soccer for as long as I did. I kind of gave it up, played Gaelic football for a year and was planning on going back to soccer, but got the opportunity to go to Australia then and here I am five years later. So it was like the turn of events in my life. Um, so yeah, I went back to soccer then and I was like, just wanted to give myself a new challenge basically. Yeah. Um, but I had a conversation with a guy from Western United, um, Melbourne City, and then victory and I was just like to Jeff can I just train with you for a couple of weeks and he was like with no intention of playing just I wanted was to like, train I just want to train and I was like I sh showed him like my history I got footage of what I was like when I was a kid essentially and I was like here's this I've developed as an athlete more I reckon I'm stronger probably fitter now and um, but I also don't know where I sit with soccer I was like but basically can I give it a crack um, and he was like, yeah, come train with us. And then after about six weeks, he was like, I'm going to sign you. And I was like, okay. Um, and then, yeah, that's a, basically that's how it started. How does it work with CrossCode in terms of signing? Like you're obviously allowed to go into another sport while playing AFLW, yeah? That it has been the case to date because we had been in like six, seven month long contracts, mm. whereas now we're in 12 month contracts. Right. So there's question marks 
around that, um, which is something I need to do a bit more research on. I don't actually know the answer to that question, but um, yeah, there's definitely going to be more expectations on the AFLW front from here on in. When you talked about falling out of love with the game, would that be a little bit from like, would homesickness play a little bit of a part in that? Or is it just purely just, I've been doing this for the last four years, like I need to mix it up? Yeah, and I think I'm probably someone who like suppresses that kind of emotion about being far away from home because sometimes I go, oh, I can't control that. So like, and I'm definitely a glass half full type person. So I'd be like, I'll choose to see it in a more optimistic light. Um, but I think when I actually like reflect on it, I'm like, did soccer give me a new lease of life or did being with my family give me a new lease of life or was it a combination of both? But I do think it was the combination of both. Probably you go back into another environment and you realise how much you can achieve in a short amount of time if you really dial into it. But also how much you can add to um, an environment after being in so many different environments. You kind of see things before they happen and mm. that kind of stuff. But then going home to family is like, I forget that I'm probably missing a part of myself. Like, yeah. you know, just your mother's instinct and yeah. like stuff like that. Like I'm so fortunate to have such an amazing family who support me from afar. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when problems arise in your life, it's so great to have your family just talk, to them, talk it out with them and they know you for who you truly are and like exactly what your intentions are in everything you do. Whereas sometimes you're in a sporting environment or something and people don't always know your intentions or, mm. you know, what agenda you're coming from. And... Um, so I think for me, yeah, definitely missing a part of my family. Because I like, I go into these conversations because I'm like, what can I grab out of this? And like, there's been times throughout when I was playing footy where, of course, like fell out of love with the game, like didn't want to be there, like overtraining, like, oh, do I really have to go to train? And it's like, I don't know if it's a comfortability thing, but I always think, well, what's what would be a really great tool to be able to grab out of this conversation? Or if like, if I am in sport, if I am like a young kid coming through, like what's a really great tool to be able to take out of it. And I don't know, I'm not sure where I'm angling with this conversation, but just even just like to get past it, because I look at people who have stayed in their sport for five, 10, 15 years, like a long stretch of time. You talk about like that grit, like passion and perseverance, like over time. And they're usually like the best and most successful players. I'm sure all of them go through times where they're like, I'm burnt out, I'm overtraining, I'm stressed. I, I don't want to be here. And I, from what you said, it's like reconnecting with your family, reconnecting with your support network. Am I on the right train of thought mm, there? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like there's, for me, I'm like, I'm also massive into like sports psychology and yeah. studied um, a lot around mindsets and all that. Did you really? Yeah, I was always. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Did you not? No, I didn't Did know you that. actually not? No. I thought you were taking the face. No, I fucking have no idea. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I studied neuro-linguistic programming. So it's um, all about the conscious, subconscious mind. So Jeez, you keep this under wraps. When did you start that? I also studied hypnosis, with, which every time I say it, I get this reaction being like, are you serious? Um, but I was just curious about it. And the reason I actually studied hypnosis was because my my mother used to smoke so many cigarettes and I used to be like, mom, who's the mother and who's the child here? Because you need to grow up and stop smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And I was like, she's like, someone hypnotized me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and study it because I'm going to try to get you off the cigarettes. And um, so that was my reason for studying hypnosis. But um, neuro-linguistic programming was I went to an NLP practitioner a couple of years ago and I remember being absolutely blown away mm by the way she thought about things. And I was like, what What did you study? Like, how How do you think like that? And so then I went and studied that. Um, and I did it um, in combination with life coaching as well, which was another way of kind of made me think outside the box of it. It was like, made me think about life from a circular point of view. So yeah. it was like, they do the wheel of life in life coaching where it's like, you look at your life from like eight segments. So you look at like, work, career, uh, finance, physical environment, friends, family, health. And you look at all those things and you mark them out of 10 and you go, okay, where am I? Where do I sit in all these things? So often if I'm kind of feeling a bit like, I don't know how I'm feeling at the moment. I don't know why I'm fe feeling a bit off, but I can't exactly put my finger on it. I'll kind of do that wheel of life and go, right, I'm an eight out of 10 or I'm a nine out of 10 in my health and my sport at the moment but I'm actually not, I could be a two out of 10 with my friends and family, which happens to me quite a bit where I'm like expending too much energy in one space and not the other. So then I'd go, okay, I actually need to s sit down and 
give my family a call or whatever and then also need to catch up with my friends so it's like knowing that like the balanced approach to life is probably where you can have most success and where you can be happiest and probably fulfilled and feel a bit whole but um, so yeah I look at things like that a lot and speak to sports psychs I hold myself accountable to speak to a sports psych once every two weeks really yeah. why Why so consistently because I think that it's an underutilized um, thing that is so important. Like it's it's like for me, it's like if you're going to train your body, you need to train your mind to be able to train your body. So like if you're in the gym and you're kind of like, will I push past this rep or can I, can't I? And it's like when you've done the work with your mind, you generally tend to go, yes, I can versus mm. no, I can't because you've talked it out and you've kind of built that resilience and you also solve your problems much quicker as well like you could have something like often I'm not talking to the sports psych about anything got to do with sport it could mm. be something that happened at training that doesn't sit well with me and they might encourage me to go go have that conversation with that person or it's like you know something happens at training and like a lot of the girls might come and go like the coach said this to me or a player said this to me and they go home thinking about it for a week yeah. and all of a sudden they've lost a week of training they're like they're not feeling great about themselves. And then, but if you speak to a sports psych, they would press you to kind of go like, again, you solve your own problems, but they might go, you need to like there and then get what you need to out of a conversation. So that's what I mean by when I speak to a coach, I go, what exactly do you mean though? So at least it's, it's not room for me going, going home being like, wonder what he meant by that. Mm. And like, I'm thinking the whole week about that one comment. Instead, I get what I need to get out of the conversation and go, where like what exactly do you mean because like your version of events versus mine you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so yeah it just helps you communicate better as well as what I feel why would you go to a sports psych instead of a clinical psych do you think about that at all I don't think just about that at all to. it's just what I've access to with yeah. the AFLPA we have access to um sports psychs yeah. um and I find them really good for like performance tools and then we have mm -hmm. a, a new sports psych in Collingwood Carol and she's been amazing, like doing like visualization work and stuff and breath work and all that with us. So um, it's just adding those little things in. But yeah, we just have to really buy in. It's, it's what you put in. Like not everyone buys into it, but I strongly believe it works. That's that's the biggest thing that I think I learned this year was talking to not just a sports psych, but a clinical psych as well. Like, what, someone, was, what did you feel the difference? Uh, well, a sports psych I had uh, when we we're playing in the NRL and that would be more about like being happy around training. Like I'm feel like I'm a pretty happy dude but yeah. like there's sometimes where I wasn't enjoying going to training yeah. um and it'd be more towards the performance side of it whereas like a clinical psych they probably gave me a few more tools around everyday life and I probably wouldn't talk to the sports psych about what was going on in my personal life I'd leave that for the clinical psych yes. but I I like I've been seeing psych since probably, I don't know, 2018. And people mm. think like oh you're seeing a psych it has like this negative connotation to it. It's like nah it's the best way to like not only be able to vent, but being able to articulate your thoughts in a way where it just makes sense and for mm -hmm. them to come back to you and, yeah, like tell you why you might be feeling this way or certain tools that might be able to help. Like someone said to me, well, like they use like the gym analogy. Like if you're if you're fit, do you stop going to the gym? Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, if you're hurt or if you're upset, like why would you stop seeing a, a psychologist? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so like I will see one once a month, you know, just for the yes. pure just for the pure fact of being able to like vent what's going on because more times than not, the times where I don't really have anything to talk about, I'm going to like sometimes I go in thinking, I got nothing about. to talk about. They're usually the best sessions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is like it's it's complete like maintenance of the mind. And mm. it's like I always go in with I'm like, I have no problems. I'm like really happy at the moment. And then all of a sudden I'm <laughs> I'm like, where did that come out of? Oh my god. Oh, this is deep in deep in my subconscious. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I need to get this out. Um but I tend to listen and this is what NLP does as well. Like I tend to listen to myself speak and solve my own problems as I speak them out loud because when they're in your head, they're very emotional. Yeah. But then when you speak them out loud or you write them down on paper, you're like, right, what am I actually bothered by here? And it'd be like, the coach said my kicking efficiency was poor. Whatever, that's factual. Yeah. I just need to work on that. Easy, problem yeah. solved. You know what I mean? It's just like, it just makes it, life just feels more simple. And that's what I say to my family and stuff, I'm like, I can present a really good version of myself 80, 90% of the time. And I want to be a person who, you know, comes into our team environment and I'm consistent and reliable in everything I do. And that's in terms of the way I'm going to bring, what energy I'm going to bring. So they know that like, yeah, it's hard to be up and about all the time and you have to be able to, I suppose, 
embrace your vulnerabilities, show that like, you know, it's life is hard. It's not perfect. Things happen in our lives, but also being able to be like, I'm going to do the work so that I can bring the best version of myself as often as I can. What's the conversation with the, what's the conversation with mental health in the AFLW? Because I look at like rugby league and AFL as, you know, being big macho men's sports and I can see it changing. But in the women's space, like, are you guys like pretty comfortable talking about mental health and what's going on or your own struggles and vulnerabilities? Yeah, we do. Like we kind of, we used to do this thing where we present like every couple of weeks, a player would present on like, I suppose their journey. And it's kind of like a, who am I? So it's like in that space, you'd kind of get to hear like where people are coming from a bit about their background. And it's kind of like why we are the way we are. So like it, it all makes sense then. But in terms of like, I would say we don't have the time to do it when mm. we're in, it's like right in video analysis, prep for training. Yeah. Like it's very like structured like that. But I would say when we sit down and have coffee, like we have no problem being really open with each other. Yeah. But could we be more open? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because I, I always wondered that because I know like you girls are probably much more, more emotional. Not more emotional. I wasn't going to say more emotional. You said that. <laughs> 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 but more but more willing to talk about it, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I would and I would probably just I'm probably not as good at talking about it as I would like either. Like I f- I find it sometimes hard it's hard to articulate yeah. and it's hard to get it out what you what you really mean as well. So um but yeah, I could definitely I think we do we share similar struggles and um especially with things that happen in sport because they can be a big driver in in why you're maybe feeling a bit down as mm. well like performance performance anxiety Huge. all those things do you struggle with any performance anxiety or is there anything in the football space that you i know that you struggle with i reckon you struggle all year like i reckon you're always struggling yeah. but it's but you're also always finding a way and you're you're always becoming a bit more resilient mm. but you also know that like you know, the little things that happen in sport. Like I've gotten way better at bouncing back and kind of, I always find myself, it's like if I go too high, this, you know, what goes up must come down. So I feel if I go too high on anything or go too low on anything, I'm in the wrong spot. So I just try to keep as myself at this steady equilibrium as much as possible. So I'm very aware of that because it's that whole thing, even in team performance, when you think about like games, if it's like, if you have a really big win, it's like, right, okay, we need to also not get too ahead of ourselves here because complacency mm. um, creeps in then. So it's the same rings true, I think, for a player. It's like if you get too high, you can become complacent and you forget to do the basics well. What I find is if sometimes uh, you can try too hard as well in sport where you're like, things aren't working for me right now, so I'm mm. going to try harder. I'm going to do more gym. I'm going to do more running. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're into this whole other cycle that's toxic because now you're on the other side of it where you're actually burnt out. Nothing's going well for you. You're doing 100 reps and 80 of them are poor mm. instead of doing five reps or 10 reps and them being quality reps. So it's just a constant battle. I feel like you're constantly trying to find your way through and hence why I'm like, the sports psychologist is really good at navigating that and then having a clear system. So for me, it's about having like a system for my mind as well throughout the week. And it's like, you know, what are my goals? What are my intentions? Mm-hmm. What do I want to get out of each session? Reflecting on what I've done well, what I can improve on and kind of not let myself down really and being, holding myself to account on those things. Because I think half the time we're just trying to prove a point to ourselves yeah. to like grow that inner belief that we can then bring to the team. Do you have any like tools or any things that you do to de-stress or keep yourself balanced? Like my thing is going, getting in the ocean and going for the swim. Mm. Um, there's not many oceans around here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, is there something that you do that helps keep you balanced? Yeah, I would say, well, connecting with home. Um, I would say the sauna. I would say um, ice baths. I would say yoga, Pilates. And they would probably be my things. Fit all them into a footy season. <laughs> yeah, I try to do flatties once a week, which I actually found that's been brilliant for my body. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's always they're the things that kind of like de-stress me. But also, I write write a lot of things down as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Life after footy. What what's what's planned? What are you thinking? Because obviously you're you're a very busy girl. Like I'm very grateful to have you in studio today. Thank you for coming in. You but is there, I'm very proud. Yeah, yeah, very proud. Is there any um is there anything that you're looking forward to life after footy or, or what are you thinking? Well, I really enjoy the working with teams yeah. situation, but like it's more in the leadership culture space because I think that's where 
I'm like, that's where you can have your biggest gains. But I also think it's a really hard thing to get right. Yeah. And like there's a, you know, there's clear things that are in a winning environment and then in an unsuccessful environment. And then it's like kind of like marrying those all together, trying to get players to work on this, be on the same page to kind of buy into a system and a process like all that stuff is really interesting to me and kind of again it's all about problem solving and like how do we get the best out of everyone here and um, it's a big challenge um, but I love that side of things so like the stuff that I'm doing with performance by design like mm -hmm. that's probably exactly the space that I want to go into and it's so cool like you being in a professional semi-professional environment like as shit as it is to say but you'll have so many more opportunities outside of like when you finish sport, purely because you've been in there. Like I said this to Mac Horton, um, his Olympic gold medalist at Rio 2016. And purely of just being in that professional environment of like, you got other employees and other companies look at someone like yourself, who's hardworking, they're analytical, they're always wanting to be better. They take those values and those like attributes into everyday life. So you're going to have so many opportunities when you want to finish sport. Yeah. Well, I hope so. But yeah, fingers I think crossed. fingers crossed. Yeah. I think, and um, you just, I think in sporting environments as well, like it's like character is behavior over time. So it's like, you got to go in and you got to prove it every single day. And the minute you don't, you'll also be found out. So it's like you can get away with not being a good person for a day, a week, but you can't get away with it for a month. Mm -hmm. And you can't get away with poor habits and poor behaviors in a football environment. You can get away for a day, a week, but not a month. Yeah. So like for me, it's like, if I can, I'm just trying to be always that bit better and kind of bring that consistency all the time. And I think through that, then like when sport ends, it's like people will hopefully have your back. And it's probably something I realized going back to soccer. It was like, you know, never burn bridges with people and always leave places on good terms because you never know when you're going to revisit that world again or when someone like is going to walk back into your world. So for me, it's like, um, yeah, just being consistent and reliable. And even just like good people attracting good people. Yeah. Like I look at you as someone who's like an incredibly like kind, respectful person. Um, also fun. But like <laughs> I look at and they, even the crew that you knock around with, like Rubes, obviously all the Collywood girls, it's like good crew attract good crew. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like we do. We have so many good people um, around the club and it's like we just welcome everyone in. We're like, whatever you want to be, you can be in here. So, um, yeah, we have a really good, uh, great group. But yeah. How fun. Um, Sarah, hey, thank you so much for this chat today. Before we finish up, is there anything that you'd like to touch on that we haven't talked about today? Um, I think we've covered an awful lot of bases today. Yeah, we did well. We did well. Hey, thank you so much for jumping on. Um, I look at you as someone who's killing it in not just soccer, but AFL as well. I'm really excited to see what the next couple of years look like for you in the before, in the professional sporting sense, but also life after footy. I reckon, I reckon you're going to kill it and I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens next. Your guess is as good as mine, <laughs> but thank you for having me. And likewise to you, I feel like you have been killing it as well in your career and it's really good to see you have a podcast because I feel like you will be sharing lots of knowledge over the next couple of weeks, months, years. And yours is coming up soon. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay <crossed>. tuned. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.